Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Thursday Night Streams podcast. This week we have seminarian Ricky Malbranch from the Diocese of Arlington come to talk to us about Does anybody know that you're a Christian? How do we live joyfully when anger, loneliness, and confusion seem to surround us? Scripture makes it clear. True joy only comes from living for Christ. This talk aims to answer three questions. What is stealing our joy and how do we stop it? What specific role does our Christian faith play in causing our joy? And how do we share that joy and our faith with others who do not seem to want it? Ricky was born and raised in the Diocese of Arlington and attended college at George Mason University and worked for the admissions office for four years after graduating in 2010. God brought him to St. John Paul the Great Catholic High School in Dumfries, Virginia as a school counselor for the next five years. And during the summer of 2018, God made it known to him that he was supposed to be a seminarian when he was at the Diocesan Work Camp, work camp in the fall of 2019. He is currently a seminarian at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg, Maryland, and God willing, he'll be ordained to the transitional diaconate in 2024 and to the priesthood in 2025. We hope you enjoy. Now, usually you're supposed to start with a joke. I did. So, before we get started, um, I'd like to start with a prayer. But what I'd like to have happen is, uh, I'd actually, so we're gonna have about 30 to 45 seconds of silence. I ask that you pray for me, and I will pray for you. Now you're like, oh, that's a lot of people praying for you. Yeah, I'm about to take 40 minutes of your time, (laughs) So I need the prayers. So if you'll join me in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> How much time do I have? There we go. All right, sounds good. We'll go 30 minutes. Um, which, it's not going to be 30 minutes. That's just my warning to start stopping. So just never mind. But, um, so when I was originally asked, they asked me to speak on joy. And I prepared to talk, and as I'm driving down, I said, you know what, brother? You never talked about what joy is in your talk. So we're going to start with that. So as I'm driving illegally, watching YouTube, uh, I'm kidding. This is recorded. I never drive. I lied to myself. Um, So Father Mike Schmitz quoted somebody else. But he didn't tell me who he quoted, so he plagiarized. I didn't plagiarize. Uh, But he said, joy is the abiding and pervasive sense of well-being. I said, yeah, right, that sounds legit. (laughs) And I just want to add, for clarification's sake, that it's internally, like in the soul. Joy is the abiding and pervasive sense of well-being in the soul. So that regardless of what's happening to you, 
deep down, you know you're good. The only way to get that, though, is through Christ himself. Uh, fast forward to, toward the end of my talk is trying to think, where did my action originate? So if my action doesn't originate in Christ, it will ultimately fail to give you joy. So I was thinking in the, in the drive down, bad thought, but I already put it out in the world because I was speaking out loud, so I'm gonna just repeat it. And um, so driving, and I'm thinking in my head, I said, I'm trying to think of examples. I was like, all right, so what if my car flips over? I said, oh, gee, okay. Um, and then I started saying, what if somebody else's car? And I said, well, you can't put that on somebody else. So if my car flipped over and I realized, like, this might be it. Like, there's suffering, there's pain, there's fear, there's sadness. But at the depth of it, if I have Christ, I have joy. And so I know I may have zero clue about what comes next. But if I recognize that I've done what I needed to, to the best of my knowledge and my ability with Christ, I fully believe I'm good for what comes next. And that's where the joy comes in. And so uh, I don't know where y'all saw the title of my talk, if you even saw it. So if you didn't, surprise, here it is. Um, but I entitled it, Does Anybody Know You're a Christian? And I entitled it that because there is a spoken word poem that I love. The first time I heard it, I'm, actually, let me stop, because y'all hear it, and you're going to love it too. Um, but the dude that wrote it, his, his name is Carnus Turner. He wrote it for an organization, or I should say he performed it for an organization called Passion for Christ Movement. He wrote it in 2009, so I changed one line because I felt like it was irrelevant now. The rest is all his. Now, given the fact we're talking about joy, the intensity of this poem might catch you off guard, but it's intense. At least it was to me. Um, it's about four minutes long. For those of you that might be bored of it, set your timer, but you won't. Don't worry about it. Um, but I start with it because for me, if you are Christian, you are joyful. And so this poem is meant to be Christian to Christian. So if you are out there and you're like, mm, I don't know about this God fellow, I need you to pretend with me that you're cool with him and that you would call yourself a Christian. That's the mindset I want you to have with it. Does anybody even know that you're a Christian? Does anybody even know that you're a Christian? When you go to your school or your job, can anybody tell by your actions that you believe in God? Or can they not tell the difference between what you believe and how you act? Because you're always at the party with a drink or talking about somebody else behind their back and when they finally figure out you're a Christian, they start talking behind yours. And you wonder why when people look at you, they can't even respect the fact that you're a Christian anymore. Because you might be the only example they have. And if they can't tell the difference between your walk and their walk, then they're not going to follow God's path. Does anybody even know that you're a Christian? Do the people even know that the God in you is there? When someone who doesn't believe in God loses somebody in their family, do they even think to go to you for prayer because they don't know where else to go? And if not, then since when did Jesus become your own personal secret for no one else to know? Are you serious? 
Jesus Christ didn't get stretched out on the cross so your testimony could be mysterious because silent testimonies have never saved souls. Yet our testimonies lay low. And we're wondering why this world is raising hell? That's because a lot of Christians are too worried about other people's opinions and too busy trying to save themselves. Yo, I don't know what's worse. Nobody knowing I'm a Christian or the only people knowing I'm a Christian are the people at my church. See, what y'all have to understand is people sacrifice their lives to spread the love of Jesus across the earth. And you mean to tell me you're more concerned about what other people may think or believe? What if Jesus was more concerned about other people's opinions and the salvation you received? They made him bleed until he bled, all his blood till he was dead, nails and feet, thorns and head. What if Jesus was less concerned about spreading the gospel and cared more about what other people said instead, but not instead he stood for what's right, just so everybody in the world can know, and everybody at Mason can know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him might not perish, but might have everlasting life. Does anybody know that you're a Christian by your actions? Or does everybody think that you're a Christian because you're acting? See, the only reason I'm asking is because half of us are putting on a facade, trying to treat our walk with God like we're expecting full-time benefits when he's our part-time job. But working for God ain't a part-time gig. It's not a job or a career. It's a lifestyle that you live. You gotta understand, one soul's trash is another soul's treasure. So if y'all won't take the time, then the devil will continue to convince them that Jesus can't save them with all these worthless arguments online. Does anybody know that you're a Christian? Are you letting his light shine through? And if not, then how many more times are you going to deny Jesus before Jesus denies you? It's not my words. I just performed it. That's it. That's all I got. That's it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with just the rest of the talk. I'm sorry. That's it. Uh, no, that's, that's it. I'm out. Think about that. Um, what I love about it is the same thing that scares me about it. When I first heard it, I did what I think is natural for a lot of people, is you think of other people with the problem. He's like, yeah, tell him, Connors. Yeah, brother. Get him. But when you start thinking about it and you start internalizing it, I said, oh, dear. That's me. Like every category. And so I split it into three. And that's, I share it with you because that gives us the structure for the rest of this talk. So the first chunk is what do our actual, like, what are the actions that people can see telling people about what we believe? The next piece is, are we sharing our faith? And the final piece that comes for me, and, and when you watch the video, um, the video is pretty much named the same title as my talk, so you can hear it again. But when you watch the video, everybody goes nuts when he drops the line. Does anybody know that you're a Christian by your actions, or does everybody think that you're a Christian because you're acting? And everybody goes nuts, because none of them are internalizing it. We're like, Ooh, tell them. But the reality is, for me, that is where the largest chunk of my talk will come. Because that is the most internal piece. And when we're talking about the idea of joy being internal, in my mind, those two go hand in hand. But uh, if you're familiar at all, there's a book called The Discernment of Spirits by Father Gallagher. Solid book, long, kind of dry, uh, a solid book. Um, 
But in it, he talks about the difference between consolation and desolation. I won't get into that because that's not really the point of my talk. But I bring it up because consolation, in a very crude sense, is you can feel more of the presence of God. Desolation is when you feel distant from him. That is a very crude version of it. Now, you can have joy in both. So please don't think that that's the delineation I'm trying to make. But what he said is we are meant for consolation. So if you are like holy hours every day, Mother Teresa-like, and you feel in desolation all the time, you may be a saint. But for the rest of us that are a little more normal, <laughs> if we are feeling desolation, often it is God's calling us back to him. And I bring that up because this first part, when we're talking about what our actions look like to others, goes hand in hand. So he talks about drinking. He talks about gossip, I think, for the most part. We can either understand it or we're going through it. But if you are a pronounced Christian and you're drinking that heavily, you're always talking behind somebody's back. And obviously, if you take it more private to sins of purity, whether with somebody else or by yourself, those outward signs contradict what we believe. And he's very right. The example we give to others, we're failing God. Because if they know you are part of CCM, you're automatically thought to be a leader. I know there's leaders within CCM, but as soon as they know you are part of CCM, you are automatically a leader for Christ on this campus. And if your actions don't match your belief, why would they follow you? And in essence, the thought is really, why would they follow Christ? Because if you're his imitator, we're failing. But with that failure, we automatically feel the lack of joy. There is nobody that drinks a ton that's like, man, that was a joyful event. <laughs> I'll tell you what, so much joy. So much joy that course like, uh, so much. Nobody. When you get done bad-mouthing somebody, there is never a time, never a time, where joy sits in your heart. For the most part, and in fact, skipping ahead, they even talk about mental health-wise, there is a connection between depression and promiscuity. And the article that I was reading did not know which created the other, but there is an absolute connection. And so our bodies are wired to tell us this is not of Christ. Like God is so good to us that for the obvious things he has built into our body, this is not the way to find me, not the way to find joy. And so when we act how we are meant to act as Christians, joy and Christ follow. And when we don't, praise God for confession, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't let us go. So please, if that's you, if you struggle with any of the above, he's not letting you go. You may be feeling something right now because my man is calling you home. He wants you back closer to him to feel that joy. Uh, and there's sometimes that it's on accident. So I remember I love soccer. Every time I tell people that now, they're like, really? You like soccer? Listen, don't judge my size, okay? So, 
Uh, I was playing intramurals here, and I mean, I just grew up watching soccer. Like, my brother played a little bit professionally in Italy. My dad loved soccer. Like, I was just in a soccer home. And so when you watch it, like, there's a certain intensity that you play soccer with. You didn't need to bring that intensity to intramurals, but I did. And uh, so I am playing for Catholic campus ministry. Like, Catholic is on my chest. So people knew I was. And I'm just in the mindset of, this is a soccer game. This was a championship. I am going at it. I've always been a large dude, but I'm not the slowest dude. I'm a little freight train. So I do okay. I went for the ball. I nailed the sucker. It wasn't on purpose. Kind of was. But uh, he on the ground. He complained for a foul. I'm in full soccer mode. I'm like, get up, man. You faking it. We're going back and forth. Dude headbutted me. I'm trash talking him. We both got yellow cards. Then by the end of the game, I got the fans yelling at me, and I'm going back and forth with them. In my head, I'm like, this is the life, man. This is what soccer's about. Right? Everybody fighting each other, man. And we won. This was great. This was great. I wasn't even thinking about it. Fast forward a little bit. One of my fellow CCMers tells me that one of their fans refused to come to an event that he was invited to because of my actions. And when I take a step back, nothing that I described was Christian. Nothing. But it wasn't even where I was thinking. I wasn't thinking, you know what, God, forget you. It was just natural for me because that part of my life wasn't formed. And so it's not always I'm outright sinning. And very rarely do we ever choose actively against God. But our actions will do that. And as we move further away from Christ's will, we move further away from joy. The next piece is, uh, where are we at? Sorry, turn the page. Is when he talks about sharing the faith. Like talking about our testimonies lay low. And he makes a point. He makes a very good point. Because if we're not talking about the joys of our faith, the moments where Christ has worked in our lives, then who's sharing him? And what I want to make clear is I'm not encouraging you to make Christian part of your introduction. Like, hey, I'm Ricky, I'm a Christian. <laughs> um, and this idea of like, does, can anybody tell you a Christian? My face is on a poster becoming a priest. I mean, that's, that's as Christian as you can look. <laughs> but the thought still remains, if I don't share it, nobody gets it. And what I want to take a step away from, um, in addition to the, there's no need to introduce yourself as a Christian. Because think about it this way, like, if you're like, I promise I'm cool. Questionable, right? Like, if you got to tell what you are, little iffy, little iffy. But I want you to think in terms of relationship. So there are some that are natural evangelists, and they can go out to people they don't know. Like, do you know your Lord and Savior? Awesome. If that's you, praise God for it, pray about it, and do it. But for the most part, that makes us nervous, understanding. But those that we do know, are we even willing to bless our food before we eat? Are we willing to do the sign of the cross and bless our food before we end? I'm not talking to you. Like, like a legitimate sign of the cross. Because without words, 
we share our faith. When you listen to a talk, when you go to prayer, when you hear a homily, when you have a moment in church, do you even have another Christian friend that you share that moment with? For two reasons. One, if you share a moment, you're more likely to remember it. So then when you're thinking, mm, God's not really with me, this is a tough time, like I don't even know the last time he's been with me, if you've shared these moments, it will come easier to mind. The other piece too is when you get a real moment and you tell another Christian, that's legit, like both are excited. And that is more what I hone in on when I say am I sharing the faith? Am I encouraging other Christians by my own witness so that we can act how we are supposed to act and just by action alone bring in others to the faith? Because that's what the early church did. I don't know if you guys know Justin the Martyr. Uh, way back, 155 AD, um, smart dude, wasn't Christian, pagan. Only thing that attracted him to the faith was the people's actions. Nothing else. And he became one of our, the reason we know the Catholic Mass is the way it is pretty much forever. His intelligence wrote, and if you read, you Google Justin the Martyr, and you'll find his explanation of the Mass, you will see every aspect of our Mass. All that because people just acted how they should and shared their faith with one another in the community. The third piece, are we just acting or do our thoughts align with our actions? And this piece for me is the deepest because if you're like me, I, I learned real early how to act Christian. So sure, I think all of us can easily sin behind closed doors with people we're comfortable with. But when you're in public, when you need to be like, you know, public Christian, most of us can turn it on. Our actions can generally look like we believe what we believe. But it's now the interior life that we discuss. Because this thought, uh, and, and there's no issue with faking it till you make it. So if you're not there yet, and you're just at part one as far as just making my actions match my belief, as long as your actions, like the faking it part, terminates in the idea of I want to be a better follower of Christ, you're on the right track. If your actions terminate in I don't want to look bad, you will continue to find sadness because your actions aren't terminating in anywhere but your own pride. And so I, I, take it, I take it carefully deeper. It, one of the more obvious places that I've seen this idea of our actions and our thoughts differing is in the pro-life movement. When you enter any conversation with the thought of winning an argument, you're in trouble. Because that terminates to your pride or terminates to the pro-life movement itself. Which friends, the pro-life movement itself was built out of politics. So even if you put your whole life into it and Roe v. Wade gets overturned and every state government, good luck, and every state government decides abortion is illegal, you will not have joy in the end of it. 
because it did not terminate in Christ. And generally, because it terminates in this idea of a movement that we have to win, we go out swinging. And instead of saving souls, we win arguments. Because logically, that generally is on our side. But those that disagree with the law being overturned, logic is not the problem. They are empathizing with others. And so if you go in looking to win a logical argument, you're in trouble. And generally, that takes the shift of, God, this, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe what they're saying. Like, they're wrong. But this is your soul. And I cannot change their mind right now, but I want them to come to love you, because if they come to love you, they will come to love your creation, and every child born will be of you. And if they love you, they can't help but love that child. And so whether the law changes or not, they're going to help. They're going to help the cause. Another one that was, was close to my heart. So uh, a lot of people say they're colorblind, so I'm black, in case uh, you didn't know. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to help you out there. You know, if, you, if you want to speak, by the way, if you are, it's a medical condition, not a mindset. So you probably want to change that. But um, for me, I didn't even know how I felt about Black Lives Matter. But people that I, I, I looked at a few. And then I had to stop because I was getting infuriated. I looked, people were going off about this. Terrorist group, terrible people, hate, huh, hip hop. And I looked, I scrolled deep in their social media. I said, why have I never seen you talk about black people before this? Why is this what attracts you? That's not of Christ. I don't know what that's of, but it's not of Christ. And I just want you to imagine this. Nobody knows who Jesus is. He hasn't healed anybody. Doesn't show that he cares about a soul. And it comes and flips your table. You're going to be like, fool, you better pick that up, man. Who the heck are you? He may have every right. He may be so correct in what he's saying. But if they don't know him, that is a very different experience. Are you terminating your thought in Christ, in winning a soul, or in winning an argument? And then when we think, as far as us as people, and away from kind of more political movements, uh, I think of Matthew 6, 6, where he tells us when you go to pray, you go into your in inner room, and you pray to avoid being like the Sadducees, like, in the name of the Father. <laughs> so, the thought is, that's the, the life, the way we want to find it. That's the way we want to find joy. Is we want joy to be so a part of our core. Christ to be so a part of our core. That we have to go deep to find him. And that's where he sits. Regardless of what's going on around our life. That when we pray, we can find him there. And then you'll find that as he finds a more secure location, he will naturally start reconstructing. And that room becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So the idea that your sense of joy 
and your whole being become the same. There's nothing that throws you off. Like anything can come your way. And those people, when you're not there, those people get on your nerves. You're like, man, I'm living. Eh, it's not bad. Eh, shut up. Like you, you want somebody to be miserable with you. That's not of Christ. And so when we think, do our thoughts match our actions, that's the hope. Is we internalize Christ. That nothing can waver us. And so I read you one more time. Joy is the abiding and pervasive sense of well-being. Do we bring that joy into everything we do? I'll tell you what, that did all right. <laughs> I did all right. I'll make sure I did not shortchange you on any thoughts. <laughs> Ah, I like this one. I like this good ending. This is good. I like it. <laughs> um, so some of you might have heard this. So Pope John the Twenty Third is that this story is said about him. Uh, so if there's anybody that should be worried about the church, um, it's the Pope. And I was talking to a gentleman, and one of the reasons that he gave as to why, uh, so his work. This was an older gentleman. His work was putting on pride events. And he was just so, nah, like he was so infuriated because he didn't know what to do. Like he did not know how to react to it. And so we're talking, and I can tell. I was like, thank God I'm on your side because if you said this to anybody else, they would ostracize you. And so I asked him, I said, do you feel like you have to match the intensity in which stuff is coming your way? He was like, yeah, I guess so. I can understand that. I don't bash him one bit for it. But if that were the Christian way, we wouldn't have the crucifix. Because he took everything, everything, and put it on the cross. And so when we have this sense of, like, how do I find joy in suffering? So I absolutely love Mama Mary. Absolutely love her. And so anytime that I connect, like the station, like the fourth station, when I am like in tune with Christ, it gets me every single time. That look between mother and son. And that she would have the strength to not stop anything and just tell him, keep going. And when she's at the foot of the cross, I, I mean, when you hear about how vicious the crucifixion is. Jesus is barely holding on to his breath. Now imagine he's looking down at his mother with such joy in his heart because he knows in that act that is breaking her heart, he is saving her soul. And so he's in the most pain that we can imagine and he's looking down with this inner sense of joy. Like not only did I do for every single individual, but he's looking at his mom, the one that gave him birth. It's like, I did it for you. That's, 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 that's the level of joy we're seeking and why we know we can't find it till heaven. 
But that's the level of joy we're seeking. And if that doesn't draw you enough, then let's take it to a lighter note and end with John the 23rd before we go to sleep every night. He said, it's your church, Jesus. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Out. And isn't that the truth? If you act out of the best you know, out of love, and you try to share that joy of Christ, and it doesn't seem to go well at all, when that person walks away, that's your soul, Jesus. I'm leaving. Like, you can't, you can't fix it. And so if the Pope can say that, I think it's fair that we can too. So there's no need to match anger with anger. You take it as Jesus took the cross, and you offer it up to him. And when you do that, he offers joy back to you. Thank you all for listening in to this week's edition of the Thursday Night Streams podcast with Ricky Mile Branch. We hope you enjoyed this week's edition and take a lot of the lessons he gave us on how to live our Christian life in a profound way. We can't wait to see you next time. And remember to live, laugh, and love.